Welcome back to Share the Rock every Thursday at noon on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major streaming platform. Today, as every other week, I have two very exciting guests, Jack and Brian. How are you guys doing? Doing good today. Good. Good, yeah, just trying to stay standing during this quarantine. Um, so you guys are think both really interesting people because both of you have a really interesting background in, in the sport of basketball. I've played with both you guys many times before, uh, pickup, rec, whatever it is. So could you guys tell me a little bit about uh, where you've played, who you've played against? And I just really want to let the audience know that, you know, and like tell the audience how interesting you guys are in terms of your past with basketball. So if you guys could say anything about that. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah, that's it. Um, so for me, I started basketball like a little bit late. Um, I used to like not really be into it, but around like sixth grade, I started playing. I started with like rec, mm. and I started playing AU in about like seventh grade. So my first AU team, and like pretty much throughout like high school, I played with just like lightning basketball. That's been good. Brought me to like, many different tournaments, and then, um. My sophomore and junior year, I ended up playing JV. Mm-hmm. So JV's junior was a little tough, but um, now I love basketball, so stuck with it. And then I was on varsity this past year. That was awesome um, for me. I don't, I don't really know if I've like, played against anyone notable I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, I've obviously played with both of you, and then like to go along with. Um, I mean, I just honestly play a lot in like the like, the park and stuff like that, and that's been like you know. I spent most of my time, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, really, um, it's a basketball family over here. Uh, my grandpa played D2, my dad D3, and now my brother's playing at Penn State right now. Mm-hmm. So I start, I got into it, I started playing AAU when I was in third grade, kind of bounced around Westchester, New York mm-hmm. for different teams. And now I'm playing at the Winchendon School up in Massachusetts. So prep schools, and so I've seen, I've seen some really good players. In fact, I actually played um, Jalen Green, who is um, number one right now in class of twenty twenty. Uh, he was definitely crazy. He had a dunk that was just unbelievable in the one game I saw of his. And it was a camp game, so you know he wasn't going crazy hard, but he mm-hmm. was ridiculous. Also saw um, R.J. Davis, who's forty first right now in his class. Mm-hmm. And one who kind of thought it's under the radar, but I'm telling you to remember the name is kid Kyle Filipowski at Wilbraham and Munson right now. He's about seven foot tall, sophomore, mm-hmm. and not really ranged or anything, but I'm telling you, he's going to be special. Yeah, and uh, he, I just think it's really uh, interesting, kind of crazy that you played against uh, Jalen Green because, um, you know, a, f- a few episodes ago on the podcast, we kind of discussed how uh, Jalen Green took the route of going to the G League instead of going to a college. And just the fact that, you know, he could be a top five pick and he probably will be if he stays on this path. And the fact that you played against him, I just think that's uh, – that not many people can say that. So I just think that's crazy. I mean, I wish I could say something like that. Uh, I don't think I've gone too deep into uh, how, how much I've played. Uh, I, I don't think I've reached the level of you guys, but I've played for uh, Lightning, AAU. I played rec all my life. I played spring varsity junior year. So um, – but I think you guys really kind of um, embody like a really interesting uh, – high school basketball experience and um you know going forward uh, best of luck to both you guys you know in in life and in in your basketball ventures as well um so i appreciate you uh you sharing that um okay so i do want to jump to a uh, nba train of thought here so 
I'm sure, you know, we're all three of us are, uh, you know, NBA diehard fans. Uh, so an, an element of, you know, coming out of this uh, coronavirus pandemic and their NBA's plan to reopen is talking about whether or not non-playoff teams would be coming back to play in a centralized location. And the main two locations would be either a Disney World in Orlando or Las Vegas, but that has since been basically narrowed down to just Disney World. As you know, uh, you know, before... Uh, this pandemic, there were 14 teams every season that don't qualify for the playoffs and 16 teams that do. And there has even been talk of a World Cup format with a group stage and things of that nature, which has never really been done in the NBA before. So my question to both of you guys is, should non-playoff teams return to play the last 20 or so games of the season? And if they do return, what should be the format of play? You know, should they go straight to the playoffs, finish regular season? What is your thoughts kind of on how the NBA should go from no play to full back in full swing um so for me i don't know if brian wants to start here i have a pretty pretty radical idea here mm-hmm. um but just to like jot it out so I've, I've heard like um a bunch of different like opinions on how it just started and then i know like you before the whole like coronavirus thing started i remember hearing about how adam silver was talking about like wanted to do like a mid-season tournament and all that stuff and like a play-in thing for like who would win the lottery and who would get the first pick yeah and things like that in that nature so for me i thought there should be like seven to ten regular season games that would just like help get the teams back up to speed from where they were i mean obviously it's not going to be the same but you know at least you get a little bit of the rust off and help teams get back into groove um i think the end of season tournament's interesting because i think definitely for like this season like i think if there is a championship and like whoever wins it, I think there's definitely gonna be a huge asterisk like next to whoever like wins. So I think like implementing a new idea might be like worth it here just to try it out. So I like the end of the season tournament. I think like the seven to twelve seed should play like a tournament and um the winner of the tournament gets the seventh seed and the runner up is the eight. And then, like, obviously the seventh and eighth seeds currently um, would get, like, an easier, um, like, bracket and going into it. Mm-hmm. And then I think to, like, help make, like, the competition, like, there and help, like, the teams, like, the Knicks and the Warriors and, like, some of those teams that aren't doing as well mm-hmm. to, um, like, the teams that after, like, those seven to ten regular season games that are the 13 to 15 seeds, I think they should play, like, a tournament. And essentially, whoever wins the tournament gets the first pick and then, like, However, however it ends up going um they like seed the rest of the draft picks just to add like some spice to you know the nba and like making sure like the um teams that aren't as good like still stay competitive and still like draw people into the game yeah 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 definitely yeah i certainly like that idea i haven't heard that before of um the 7 through 12 seeds i think that's definitely interesting um i think that if they did want to go back into a more uh, traditional style of what they do I don't think it'd be a great idea to go into the regular season you know I think it'd be not as exciting to just go straight into playoffs because there are teams who want to get their seeding in you know want to get in as an eight seed but you know the reality is we're in a world where there was no NCAA tournament and things like that so mm-hmm. all things have to be let go and also it's also if you look at the standings right now the conferences aren't so close between the eight and nine seed in the east it's a six game difference between eight and nine three game in the west so like i kind of feel like you might just have to cut their losses there and head into the postseason mm. you don't want injuries and stuff like that i think they gotta take time for training camp get everyone back in shape mm-hmm. i think it's a little bit risky to go right into a normal regular season when it's not even 
might not be so deciding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jack, I just thought what you said there was really interesting. One one snippet of what you said was uh, when you said that for the bottom tier teams that kind of are going back and forth for a draft pick in terms of yeah. like their, them playing games to determine like who gets the first, second, third pick. I think that is that idea should actually be taken to, you know, a normal regular season because at the end of the season when, you know, teams are don't aren't going to make the playoffs and their only point of playing is to lose basically and, you know, get the higher draft pick possible, that actually like puts a purpose to the later like the last 10-15 games of the early season and, you know, as opposed to losing, you actually have a chance to win games that will benefit your draft position. I think that's a great idea what you said. So, um, about the lottery position, uh, I think that one problem with jumping straight to the playoffs is that, uh, you know, the uh, bottom feeder teams, you know, such as like my Knicks and the, and the Warriors this year, they kind of won't get to quote unquote compete for the highest pick. So you telling me the Knicks now will only have the sixth best chance when if they play 10 more games, they might go 0 and 10, then get the first pick. I don't think that having that element of not knowing like, you know, which team will get what pick is, you know, for the fans at least, good. And the other thing is, if you do skip to the uh, playoffs right away, what, are, I mean, are, are is that saying to the fans of the bad teams, you don't matter? I mean, like, even though I, even though the Knicks are terrible, like, they're still my favorite sports team of all time, and I watch pretty much all of their games, and I'd love to see them play in any capacity. So, I guess my other question to you guys would be, if the NBA does skip straight to the playoffs, is that saying to the fans of the bad teams you don't matter that's you know that's an interesting way to look at it um but i think that like i was saying it might just kind of have to be a realization kind of thing with you know we've lost a lot of things people are missing their graduations they're we're missing the tour ncaa tournament mm-hmm. you know sometimes because i feel like just going back into like a shortened regular season is not feasible because I think they should be putting as much time as they can into getting them back into shape for what matters, essentially. Yeah. And I think that the idea of the 13 through 15 seed uh, playoff or tournament for the first pick is interesting. And it makes sense from a front office level. But, you know, if you think about it, it's a business at the end of the day. And sometimes the players might not want such a high pick because if they're a player that's worried about losing their starting job to some rookie stud who comes in, mm-hmm. they might be more interested in essentially taking tanking that tournament mm-hmm. so that they keep their position on their team. Mm-hmm. That's a good point there. Uh yeah, I, I could I can see where you're coming from, Brian, totally with the with the uh the uh the, the thirteen to fifteen seed tournament because I think there's definitely some flaws and I didn't really have like a perfectly laid out plan, just an idea. Yeah. But I think I, I agree with Jafet here. I think for me, I think there kinda needs to be like maybe not regular season games, but like there needs to be some type of like games to get them like back into like competitive notion because i think like if you jump straight into the playoffs like playoff basketball is very different from regular season basketball yeah and i think like if you jump straight to that like for example there could be injuries because of players just being out of basketball shape and i know they'll like try to make sure they can as in the best shape they can but you know nothing's like just playing like a real nba game so i think there needs to be some toward sort of like whether it be like almost like not like a summer league game but like something like a preseason or something like Mm -hmm. something so they can get back into like the you know the groove of things just to like really um smooth out like 
playoffs, you make sure like you get like the best possible competition there. Yeah, yeah. I think the preseason idea is interesting there too, because then you know, look, fans like me, Lucas, we get to see the Knicks again. You know, it's something we want. Yeah, exactly. And uh, also, just kind of adding to this, uh, Damian Lillard said uh, recently that he wouldn't play if there were, uh, you know, no, if there's no non-playoff teams because, you know, his trailblazers are ninth in the West and kind of going off what I was saying before, like both of you make good points, but, you know, if you're the Portland trailblazers and you put your heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears into the season before, you know, the coronavirus, you worked out and you're only three games out of making the playoffs. I mean, we all know what happens uh, late in the season with the seeds like 10 to 7. There, It's always within five games usually. So I just think that other than the fans, it's not really fair to the players to say that, you know, the one through eight on each conference automatically make it when, uh, realistically, if there's 10 more games, we don't know what might happen. So I just think that you have to look at all sides here. I mean, obviously, any route they go, there's going to be, uh, you know, good pros and cons. If some people are going to hate the decision. Some people are going to love it. It's kind of impossible to avoid. But now it's just about doing a damage control at this point. So... That's where I'm at. Right. So I think too. I think like I know Adam Silver's been like huge on like changing things because you know how they like did the All Star game this year. I think that was actually an incredible idea. And at first, I was like skeptical of it, but like seeing like the best players in the NBA like compete that hard at the end of the game, I think was awesome. So I, I, I think now is the time to like try out <clears> new <throat> things because this is just like such like a crazy situation going on. I think like it's worth it to try to like do something because i know like they've talked like a lot about like these tournaments so just do something like that to really like spice things up and honestly just try it out just to like see how it works i mean obviously it's a business and like this could have huge like repercussions but i think like Mm -hmm. you know if something like this ends up working out well like we could see this like happen just like on the normal mba like season which i think would be pretty pretty good for the fans and good for the game honestly yeah and the and i I agree that all-star game was by far my favorite of my life to watch i mean that that format i mean just playing up to a score kind of like playground style i mean i know this isn't exactly nba coming back but uh i agree that all-star game was and i I would be i'm in favor of them doing that every all-star game so yeah brian if you have any closing remarks here but um nothing good points made for both ends um mm-hmm. like that, i think player like lillard you know we all know how we can turn it on at the end of the season we've all seen that and that he should absolutely be given a shot to do so and then like jack said uh the way that the world is right now it's a time to try new things new formats mm-hmm. really has a lot of directions they can go Great. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, uh, it remains to be seen what will happen. I mean, you know, Adam Silver said we uh, should be hearing a decision within the next few weeks. So you know, um, whatever they decide, I mean, I'm just overall grateful for any live play at this point. Like, I never thought, never thought I'd really have to say that. But um, any any format of live sports, well, basketball in particular, is I'll take at this point. So uh, I want to move on a little bit here. So one. Uh, thing, um, new thing that I started to do last episode, and I want to uh, do every episode going forward is uh, I like to ask, uh, I like to ask the guests what their favorite uh, NBA or college or just basketball game in general, like what the best me- and most memorable memorable experience was and why. You know, like um, I- I- after you guys will say yours, I'll say mine, but um, I just think this adds a layer of uh, I'll, I'll, like you know 
every person has a different story than the last. So um, I would love to hear you guys' uh, most memorable uh, NBA game or basketball game. Ryan, you start here. Okay. Um, well, for me, the two best games I've gone to, it's hard to say because one was more excitement, one was more relevance to Nick's history. Yeah. Um, I was at the game, one of the few playoff victories we've gotten to see as Knicks fans the past decade or so, where we beat, I believe it was the Heat in game four in the Garden. Yeah. Um, so that was just great to see. You know, we only got one win in the playoffs that year, and to beat LeBron and all those guys, very exciting. And then I also got to see the peak game of Lynn Sanity when he had 38 and beat uh, Kobe. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, and that was just a crazy experience to me. Right. Sick. Um, for me, uh, I think mine was more just like a very like personal one. So my good family friend, he's actually he's a lawyer and he represents like the NBA refs yeah. association. So basically, he took me to a Brooklyn Nets game and they were playing the Pacers. And this was back like a couple of years ago. So this was like when the Pacers were really good. They still had Paul George. I think they were in the one seat at the time. Mm-hmm. And I basically I got to go on the court and then like meet like Mason Plumley and uh, Roy Hibbert and like I was in like sixth grade and I was probably like eighty five foot and I was just like remember shaking hands with both of them and they were both like seven feet tall and I was just like staring straight up at them <laughs> and that was one of my favorite experiences and that's also um, another reason why I am a Nets fan as a matter of fact hmm. because I used to be a Knicks fan and then. I ended up going to like more Nets games than Knicks games, so I just became a Nets fan, and it's safe to say that they are New York's team at the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean they're New York's little brother team. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that much. Yeah, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you're still never gonna have anywhere near the same amount of attendance or fans, but yeah. Well, in terms of rosters, I'll give them that. But in terms of uh, you know status as the franchise in town, I, I think it's the Knicks, but. Uh, anyway, so uh, so uh, for me, actually, it's actually it's a tie. I I mean, whenever anybody asks me this, it's really it's two games that come to mind. One was this past February. I was actually um, up at Syracuse for the Syracuse Duke game, and it wasn't the year that yeah, I mean, it was the year after you know Zion, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Trey Jones was on the roster, but that was my first. Uh, actually, I I never been to a a high level D one college D one game up until that point and when you talk about like every possession being uh you know intense and uh, scrutinized and people screaming i mean people were on their feet the entire game i mean like every time q's hit three like i I felt like i lost my hearing like it was crazy like so that was insane i mean i don't know if you guys have have ever been up to the carrier dome up, uh, up in q's but that's a must 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 be at event i mean any Q's home game is uh, insane, and they actually have the uh, I think I think the nation's biggest um or, or, or the the nation's biggest uh, stadium with the Carrier Dome. Uh, the other game that comes to mind for me is in November 2017, I believe it was. I was I was I was down in Philadelphia for the uh, Sixers Warriors game, and you know I got to see Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green against uh, Joel Embiid and, and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And that game was that game was actually crazy because the Sixers had a forty-seven point first quarter and ended up losing. Actually, they were up by like twenty-six points at the half, and the Warriors pulled. You know, you guys know how the Warriors are in the third quarter. Uh, they had like I don't know, like thirty-three points in the third or something like that, and they ended up winning by like eight. 
But uh, that game was was wild. I mean, I'm just really glad I got to see uh, Curry and Durant and um, see that uh, super team in action. So it's just really those two games. But any NBA game is is a great experience for me. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, as the season comes back and things start to get to normal, I mean, we'll have a lot more chances to go to memorable and, and you know, experience memorable events. So looking forward yeah. to that. So wait, man. me too, man. I just need the NBA back, really. Um, okay. So thank you guys for sharing. Uh, so another thing that I like to do every single week on the podcast, uh, I know there's obviously, you know, no live or there's no live college sports or international sports, but I like to make adjustments and monitor the, uh, like monitor the top five, uh, of the, the top five prospects as I do more and more scouting and watching film. And, you know, as I have more and more time to look at these prospects and see who would be, who would translate well to the NBA level. So since last week, my top five have, has changed a little bit, and now it's Wiseman, Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Halliburton, and uh, Denny uh, Denny Avigida, I think his name is, uh, that forward from Europe. So, you know, I'm a longtime Lamelo Ball and really Ball family hater. Uh, I haven't really liked um, Ball's game, but I can't deny that the more and more I watch him, the more and more I realize that in the professional league he's playing in, he's putting up monster stats and his style looks like it would translate really well to any NBA team, especially one that needs a point guard. So Wiseman also now I've had a whole other week to watch film and do research on the stats and advanced metrics and things like that. I think he could be the top pick of the draft for me because his blend of defense, athleticism and shooting it reminds me of a, it reminds me of players like a Chris Asperzingis a little bit. Uh, I think that could be, be that could prove too tough to pass up on for any team, regardless of fit. Finally, the forward from Europe I mentioned, I can't really pronounce his last name, I'm sorry. Uh, he rises to my top five because I think he could be Doncic like with you know and with really super elite passing, really good handles and an improved jumper over the over the past few years. So that's my top five. Uh, you know, we're gonna get into teams and fit later. But what do you guys agree with, disagree, and you know what what's your top five now, even though that might change later? pretty interesting you have Wiseman first mm-hmm. for me so mine I just kind of made like a loose one from like what I know so I have Anthony Edwards mm-hmm. is top LaMelo Ball second then I have Wiseman uh then I have Tyrese uh Halliburton and then I have Obi Toppin shit mm-hmm. which is might come as a surprise because I think he's a little bit older but I think he's a very like well-established prospect yeah he's six foot nine he put up good stats I mean I think Relatively speaking, this is a pretty weak draft class. It is. Or with, like, star power, but I think you could definitely get a lot of solid players. I'd say you see a Wiseman first, but I think it all depends on who, like, lottery and fit. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, good point guards coming out of this draft. Yeah. I, I mostly built my list on not team fit and just kind of ranked on what, who I think will be a star, you know, regardless of team, but that's a good point as well. So yeah. I think there is a lot of faith. It's this draft as well because, you know, like we said, there's not really one guy who's like, that's the guy right now. I have to say, Lucas, I really agree with you on LaMelo Ball. I had always, you know, since the 92-point Jerry Pick game, I've been always kind of serious. <laughs> and it wasn't until today when I knew he'd be, he'd be talking about him that I really looked into him. And, you know, kid's good. He's got talent through the roof. I think the only questions around him is his jump shot and can that form be an NBA form? And... Mm-hmm. Can he keep a level head? You know, if he's if he's the top point guard around when the Knicks are on the clock and you get an attitude like that with his dad and stuff in the New York media, can that be something that works out in the NBA, you know? Yeah, exactly, because I think that another reason I've been kind of a hater of the 
Lonzo and Lamelo is because you know if you're drafting them, you're drafting Lavar at the same time, yeah. which is you know could be we all know him. You know he he. I mean I, I okay you know to his credit he has been pretty quiet the past year. You know ever yeah. since Lonzo got traded, he hasn't really I haven't really heard from him a lot. So he's done a little better in terms of being quiet. But you know if um, Lamelo came to I mean New York City is like the biggest market on planet Earth, and if you know if, if you put Lavar in that situation, we know what could potentially happen. But going back to team fit, uh, my Knicks really, 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 I've been saying this, you know, since I was like six years old, but they really need a point guard. Like uh, that's, they have to address that position before they even think about anything else. And um, LaMelo Ball, obviously uh, Tyrese Halliburton is an elite talent, honestly. And, you know, on, on, on in the past few weeks, I've been raving about Cole Anthony. I think that he gets uh, a lot of hate because he has a very bad supporting cast at UNC. But I think Cole and Anthony, combined with um, the mentorship of his dad, Greg Anthony, who played for the Knicks in the 90s, could be a very solid pick if the Knicks have the 8th or ninth pick or something like that. Or they can even trade down. You know, if, if they have the 3rd pick, trade down to 7 or 8, get Cole Anthony, I think that could be great. I think I, I'm a big fan of Cole Anthony's game. And also uh, Killian Hayes, who had a great season this past year. So there's a lot of big names at the point guard position. I just hope that they make the right decision, combining all the factors such as, you know, off-court drama, passing ability. They just... I just want them to hit a home run with this pick, but overall they need to get a point guard. Um, the other thing, I think that if the Warriors uh, get the first pick and they get Wiseman, that would restart their super team. I, I think a team of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Wiseman could be is a championship contending team. Obviously, I don't think Wiseman would be an All Star big man his rookie year. He'll take time to develop, but the Warriors are only missing really an elite center. And if Wiseman yeah. d- develops into a rookie of the year caliber player, I think the Warriors could be right back in the championship mix. So could, could I have you speak to the impact that Wiseman would have on the Warriors um, in particular if he went there? Um, you guys know? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that they'd be a championship caliber team. And I truly believe that fully healthy, they, they are right now. You know, Clay, get Clay Thompson back, Steph Curry back, and Eric Michelle's been killing it over there. Yep. Yeah, I think if you add a talent like Wiseman, you know, that's what they were looking for in a signing with Boogie Cousins. And when he, when he came and played when he was healthy, he was certainly a big asset for them in that series against Houston. And, you know, if you can get a star big man like Wiseman and surround him with two of the best shooters in the history of the past of basketball, that's, you know, the amount of space they'll create for each other is just scary. Right. Know? Yeah. I think the Warriors are like a really, really interesting team going forward because I think to go along with them having a high draft pick, obviously they still have like their core players. But I think I've been hearing like if um, if Giannis doesn't resign, so this year I think he has a play or he has a player option for I think it's the 2021-2022 season. Yeah, he becomes a free agent. So basically, I think this year we get learn whether he'll um, will sign that player option. So I think that could be interesting because I think. With this like pick they have, they could obviously they can get Wiseman or something and like you know, develop him. But I'm hearing that they could trade like a package of like whoever they pick here and uh, Wiggins to like the Bucks for Giannis, which I don't think would be like that's obviously it doesn't sound like a fair trade like at face value. But I think like um, considering the fact that he could possibly like leave, like I might be the best you're getting, and then you're getting like. An, probably one of the best teams of all time if you have Steph Clay, Draymond, and to go along with Giannis. 
I think that'd be unreal. Oh man, if they get Giannis, I, <laughs> I, I, at this point, I yeah. mean, like you know, it was Come bad. Over. They were unbeatable with Kevin Durant, but Giannis. Oh, I, I, I don't even know if I'll turn on the TV or check my phone again like, <laughs> for NBA <laughs> news. Uh, I wouldn't personally, but they're both they're two of the top six players in the NBA, both of them. Yes. So I, I personally. I I think I think KD has a more versatile offensive game, and I think he's actually, in my opinion, Kevin Durant's the best pure scorer of all time. Of all time, all time uh, really. yes. Like I, yeah. I think he he, he, the, uh-huh. the, he has the single most unstoppable jump shot in the history of the NBA. Uh, Got to put him in the conversation. I agree. But yeah, but um, I don't know. Personally, I mean, like you talk about like a seven foot point guard that can shoot over double teams. I mean, I, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't know if I can name one player who can stop him from scoring at least twenty. I I, I don't know. Giannis, yeah. Pippen. I don't I don't know. I mean, you na- name your person. I mean, but going kind of back to the draft here, um, I think that a team to watch and you know to keep stocking is the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves actually, yeah, agreed. Because yeah. they they traded. They made a very good. Tra- I think they uh, won that trade for D'Lo by a long shot. I mean, um, Robert yeah. Robert Cummington is good, but. You don't come across players like D'Lo as often as you come across players like Covington. So they got their point guard position locked up for the future. And you got uh, Jarrett Culver on the wing at the two. And if you get a player like uh, that forward from Europe, uh, Denny Avogito or um, Anthony Edwards, that team could be a dangerous young team in the West. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, top three center in the league. D'Angelo Russell, great leader, great scoring point guard. And Anthony Edwards and Culver, that team would be pretty pretty scary. So, I'm a bold take here. Go ahead. Uh, bro, I have a I have a very bold take here. I think I think the next year, I think honestly the Timberwolves might have a top three offense like in the league. I think that mm-hmm. pick and roll option with D'Lo and Towns was like unstoppable. Because Towns I think Towns is shooting about like four I think he's forty percent from three point line and he's taking I think like six or seven attempts a game, which is crazy considering the fact that he's a center. And then I think um, totally. I think if they get like Anthony Edwards, I think he'd be a great like fit to get some more offense and some, um, just like at the shooting guard position. And then I think if they sign like, because I think defense is a bit of a question for them because I don't think Carlton Towns isn't a bad defender, but he's definitely not like an outstanding one. Yeah. So I think if they can sign like someone like Jeremy Grant or like a good or like Otto Porter, like someone like a good like three and D player, I think that team is a playoff team. Yeah, and. Personally, I'm very high on a Jarrett Culver too at the shooting guard. I think he has a really bright future, and uh, I think he he has. I think he's going to be an All Defense member one day. I th- not not yet, but I see a little bit of Kawhi in him, honestly. I do um, too. Yeah. Same. I don't think the potential is that, but yeah, you know, Kawhi, great three and D. Yeah, and if you pair him with someone like Anthony Edwards, who I think you know he's been a little inconsistent, shoots twenty nine from three, but you see it in flashes that he can be an absolute star. He, he reminds me a little bit of RJ on the Knicks, honestly. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I actually would not have been too upset if we got or if, if then sorry if the Knicks got Jared Culver instead of RJ Barrett. I wouldn't have been. I mean, a lot of fans were stuck on RJ, but I think Jared Culver um, on defense is was one of the best players in in that draft, and I I don't know. I think he has star potential. I I really really do. Right. Him and, and another. Go, go ahead. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and I think another good player on the Timberwolves like, um, that they got from the Nuggets, Malik Beasley, I yeah. think he's another good one. He was shooting really well at the end of the season. I think he's a, he's up, an upcoming free agent this year, so it's going to be interesting to see how much he gets because I don't know how much cap space they have, but 
Um, I think he's another also like really good player and a potential starter for them, just like a really good three point shooter, and he's also not like a terrible defender as well. Very underrated yeah. player. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he... I think yeah, that team is a scary team. I think like all five positions on the floor can shoot three as well. So Josh Okogie is a pretty good wing defender as well. So I mean, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they have some potential. I'm really excited. I mean, I mean. One of the things that uh, last last week we talked about were, you know, not to go too deep on this, but some of the best um, up-and-coming teams, you know, like in the NBA that we're looking forward to. I mean, I said my team, my two teams that I think are the best, have the most potential to win a championship in the next five years are, are, are the Pelicans and the Heat. But you can't forget about uh, – people always sleep on the Timberwolves, and I, I don't really know why. I mean – Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo are are two All Star caliber players, so don't sleep on them. With a high draft pick and right. maybe a nice free agent signing, they're right up there in the in the I don't want to say championship top ten fold, you know. So yeah, I think they could definitely get like a five to eight seed range, maybe a four if they play well. Yeah, right. right. I mean, and that all goes yeah. to plan barring injuries. But yeah, that's a that's an up and coming team. Yeah, and, and then, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, and then another one. Uh, I know this isn't on here, but I think also I think the Atlanta Hawks too. They're also going to have a pretty high draft pick, and I think they have um, the Mavericks pick. Yeah, which I think they might get this year. So they might. Yeah. But I think they're also a very up and coming team with Trey Young, and if they compare like another like good defensive player with them, which I think you can get in this draft. But um, yeah, that's another one I think too. The Hawks are yeah. might be able to um, sneak into like a 7.30 seed next year. John Collins too. So. Yeah. Right, yeah. I think and then call me, oh, oh, yeah. you could call me a crazy optimist here, but I think the Knicks are in a good direction right now. I truly do. Because I think I, Mitchell Robinson, I think is going to be special. RJ Barrett, I think is going to be special. I think Kevin Knox is on his way. And in the draft, this is a real hot take right here. Go ahead, go ahead. I think if you're the New York Knicks, if I have the number one pick, the number one pick, I'm taking Cole Anthony. I think he's going to be a superstar. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Well, leader, I think that he can turn around a franchise. I truly do. I, I happen to agree with you. Not many, me and you are both big Cole Anthony fans, but the, my only problem with your take on that is that I don't think they need to take him at one. They could trade back to seven and pick up an extra yeah, two, an extra. Yeah, like uh, you know, I think you know if the picks Knicks pick three or eight, he'll be he'll be in that range available. I mean, he's not the mo- he's not the highest rated prospect point guard prospect in this draft, but he is my pro- other than Lamelo and you know maybe Tyrese Halliburton, he's right up there. I'm on the top of my point guard board, but I don't think any if they have, the, I think they should trade down to six or oh, seven. Yeah, I'm saying if they had the first pick, like, absolutely, you wouldn't have to take him there, but I'm saying he's my top player on the board. I, I pr- agree wow. for the most part, yeah. I'm not I'm not a big Knicks fan, but for me, I'm thinking Lamelo. I think that team really needs shooting. I think you guys are really lacking shooting. So I don't think RJ is not a great shooter. Uh, Alfred Payton is not either. Nope. Julius Randle. So I think, honestly, for me, I think I'd take Lamelo. He's a big star. He's going to bring – I mean, like, New York is obviously the next up, but I think he's going to bring even more lights and cameras, bringing fans there. Yeah. He's a good shooter. He's a good passer. He's tall. I think he's he is a bit lazy sometimes on the defensive end, but, you know, that's definitely clean up. If you're 6'7", I think you can stick with players well, especially the point guard position. So for me, I'd say if I had, like – the Knicks, which I think a report came out saying that Lamelo was their top point guard. Yeah. For me, I think I'd pick Ball over Cole Anthony or any of the other players because I think, um, to me, he's my top top point guard. 
I mean, I'd be happy with either, but me too. I think right now, um, we got a lot of question marks. You know, Kevin Knox is he going to turn into the player we thought he was? Is RJ going to fix his jump shot up? You know, and I think that Cole Anthony is a safer pick. I think his jump shot is better. I I I agree. I mean, I I'm I'm actually I'm really happy that you're saying all this because I'm I've been the Cole Anthony fan for the longest time, and he said before that he would be, love to play in New York. I mean, he's from there. His dad played there, so. Yeah. I really think he could be. I mean, people are sleeping on him, but I think he could t- t- turn around a franchise. Him, RJ, him and RJ Barrett in the backcourt in two years. Oh, that's with Met- with Mitchell Robinson and one free agent piece. That that's a, a scary playoff team in a few years from now. I agree. So, yeah. I mean, they need time to develop. Hit that, yeah, yeah. got to hit that big free agent. I think that's the that's the key portion. That it is, but I think the Knicks more than any other team, their problems start at the top. Management speaking. Right. So, yeah. so I, I I don't ever. I mean, this is a little pessimistic, but I don't ever think they're going to be a consistent championship threat as long as James Dolan is the owner. Personally speaking, I don't think. I mean, he's such a toxic person, human being. I mean, we've seen that over the years. So. Regardless of who they draft, I mean, it pains me. I'm a big Knicks fan, so it pains me to say this, but you know, Max Kellerman on first take said it best. They have these players they they get that gets dropped into their lap. Chris Porzingis, Jeremy Lin, and they let them go for nothing basically. Chris Porzingis, they were they were aiming for uh, Okafor, Jalil Okafor, and he ended up being a bust. They got extremely lucky with extremely lucky drafting Porzingis. He fell into their laps, and he says, "Oh, see it for cap space that use on eight power forwards." So. I just think they need to have a safe draft pick here. Dolan has to have no input. Draft Cole Anthony, get a free agent, clear the decks, and move into next season with the young core. That's what they need to do. But I hope uh, Leon Rose makes some change. Okay, so that was a really good uh, kind of uh, – that was some really good takes from both of you guys, so I appreciate that. But I do want to move into the last uh, segment of today's episode – with some news that came out today, actually, well, not really news, but something that was said today by uh, Damian Lillard, who we talked about earlier. So he said on, I forgot what podcast, but he said on someone's show that LeBron is this season's MVP. So before I ask you guys what you think about this take, me personally, I agree with this. I guess you could say that LeBron has Anthony Davis, who's already one of the most impressive and, um, you know, one of the best big men of all time. Well, not yet, but on his way to becoming one of the best big men of all time. I actually think that this helps his case to a certain degree. Both players are ball dominant. I mean, it's not like Anthony Davis, like Clay Thompson, where he just runs all around the court and waits for the pass. I mean, Anthony Davis needs the ball in his hands. So it's incredible that the Lakers have, you know, before the season was paused, 49 wins. They were clicking. I mean, Kentavious, Caldwell Pope, Danny Green, Caruso, all having career years. LeBron is averaging 26, 11, and 8. And, you know, if we're really going off what who the most valuable player to team success is, I mean, realistically, LeBron James could be the last decade straight, realistically. But, okay, I'm not talking about that anymore. I just want to point that out. But this season, in terms of the Lakers winning in a very tough Western Conference, we can't forget, West, West is a lot tougher than the East in terms of top-to-bottom talent. I'm gonna go with LeBron James as this season's MVP. I, I, I honestly, that's him. It's between him, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. Those three, but I think LeBron James, especially at age 35, 26, 11, and eight, that's MVP, uh, MVP resume to me. So, mm. yeah. I'll start, Jack. I, I, I trust me. I'm a huge LeBron fan. Um, I think he's definitely. I think he's second um, all time. But again, not to get into that. But for me, I think I have to go Giannis here. I think this should honestly. I think it should be unanimous. Giannis is putting up um, almost 30 points a game. He's putting up 29.6 points, 
13.8 rebounds and 5.8 assists per game. And he's doing this in four less minutes than LeBron. He's putting up 55% field goal shooting and 31% from three with the 61% true shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I think the clear choice is Giannis here. He has an 11 plus minus in offense, which is a league high, and a four plus minus defensive rating. And with, if you adjust both their stats to 36 minutes, um, Giannis' stats are like beyond better. I think he puts up, just off the top of my head, I think it's about like 36 a game, 16 rebounds, and seven assists. And then to go along with that, Bucks have a better record. And also, I think, um, I think with you made an interesting take saying that having AD as his second best player helps his case. I feel like that honestly, like, doesn't help his case as much because I think the Bucks' second best player is, is Chris Middleton, Bronze is AD. So I think the Bucks. I mean, Giannis really is that team because the rest of that team is very, very, very mediocre. Just a bunch of like good spacing shooters and like some people like the defense. To me, I think my clear choice here is definitely Anthony Davis. Or, sorry, definitely Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with things both of you guys said. Um, and I think that it really comes down to definition of what MVP is. You know, like, Lucas, like you said, you said, is it if it's truly most valuable players, then I'm saying LeBron James. Because I, I agree with you. I think that he's been the best player in the NBA the past, you know, decade and change years. And that that makes him the most valuable player. But that being said, you know, I think that MVP should go more based on that specific season stats and record because simply just because it would be boring, you know, if every year is LeBron James until he retired and then it's, you know, whatever, maybe Luka Doncic after that, mm-hmm. something like that. But I think that it should be based on that singular season performance and numbers. And like Jack said, Bucks have a better record right now and, he has Middleton with him, as opposed to Anthony Davis. Even though that was an interesting point about him that helping his case, but I would have to go Giannis right now. Uh, yeah, I think both of you bring up really interesting points, but a few uh, counter arguments I have to some of them. Uh, first of all, I think that the Bucks' depth is a lot more um, impressive than the Lakers. I think they have a much better bench than the Lakers do, and I think that while, you know, obviously Anthony Davis is significantly better than Chris Middleton, I think top to bottom speaking, I mean, the Bucks. you got Eric Bledsoe, Middleton, who was an all-star, Brooke Lopez, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, who's a pretty impressive young player, uh, Ersan Ilyasova. So they have a lot of, you know, starter quality players. So I do think the Bucks top to bottom is are like is more talented. The other thing I want to say is that while you guys both say that the Bucks, you know, have more wins, they're also in the East and it's only four more wins. And I think that four win difference can kind of be I don't want to say totally, but kind of pinned to conference talent gap sort of. I think that it's really interesting to evaluate, you know, where the Bucks would be if they were in the West. And the last thing is to help my argument for LeBron, where would the team be without him and that's what I like to say about every MVP and we can kind of look at this when Anthony Davis was on the Pelicans with a similar supporting cast to uh, the Lakers minus LeBron they were the eighth seed and barely making the playoffs and they got um and you know I think they got swept twice by the Warriors two straight years or maybe they won a game uh yeah eight and one or eight no something like that but I we've seen what Anthony Davis how Anthony Davis plays without um you know a superstar like LeBron James at his side, and it isn't great. It's barely it's it's all it's just playoff caliber, but it's not a you know playoff winner. 
So I just think that everywhere LeBron goes, they're like just so much better than I will. Obviously, I'm just pointing out, obviously, I mean, that's obvious to see, but I just think that more than any other player, LeBron adds so much to the culture and mindsets and you know, he makes everyone around, everyone around him better uh, more than anyone else does. So I just think that that pushes him over the top in terms of where would the team be without him. So, I don't know. Yeah, this, um, uh, yeah. For me, I, I think, um, well, first off, I, I feel like if you take Giannis off that team, I don't think that team's, like, even contending for the playoffs. I think that's, like, a bottom-tier team. With, like, I think Chris Middleton's definitely sleeped on, but I don't think that team's going anywhere. And then... Um, to your other point, like, um, I don't know. I just, to me, I think it's it's clear cut that Giannis he has the highest player efficiency in um, of all time, and I think it's um, and the only one rivaling him is like that's even close. It's like Will Chamberlain in the sixties. So, and then the other thing is too is I think the East, I think the East is up and coming. I mean, you have Toronto, you have Boston, Philly, the Heat. Also, those are all good teams, and I think like. I feel like the gap between the West and the East really isn't as much as people make it out to be. I think like they're much, they're like much, much closer than they have been in previous years. So I feel like the um, LeBron playing in the West and Giannis playing in the East argument like isn't necessarily valid to me. Okay. LeBron, um, I think that you're absolutely right. With uh, I think the Bucks top to bottom is a better team than the Lakers, and I think I disagree with Jack a little bit there. I think that. With good coaching, the Bucks without Giannis could be a good team. You know, like similar to what you saw with the Atlanta Hawks, was it 2018, 2017, when they were a high seed, but really no stars. I think you could kind of see that with the Chris Middleton core. And I think I think I was a little bit somewhere between you guys on the East-West debate. I think that the West certainly is a good amount stronger, but I hear what you're saying about they've got some up-and-coming teams, you know, the Heat and rafters so i think it's good points on both ends there yeah just to kind of close this out uh now that you mentioned up and coming teams you know the last thing i'll ask you guys is who is your favorite um up and coming team and what team do you think has the most potential to challenge Giannis um, or lebron you know um in their in, in their quest for championships if that makes sense um, like yeah. for me i think uh I mean, I think I definitely have to go with the Mavericks here. I think the Mavericks, they are posting the highest offensive efficiency of all time this season. So they're having a historic season, and they're only the seventh seed now, but I think that team is a really good team with, uh, led by Doncic, and they also have like a very strong supporting cast around them. Good shot creators they have with in Tim Hardaway. They have Porzingis, who's a good stretch center, and then they also have a uh, few other pieces on the bench that can shoot three as well. So I think that team is, like, honestly, uh, um, to go back to my other point about, like, Giannis potentially leaving Milwaukee, I think that's another front runner to land Giannis there. And I think that team with Giannis would be incredible. But even without, I think if they get, like, one more, like, marquee or, like, even, like, mid-range free agent signing there, I think that's a, like, championship contending team. I think Doncic is going to be incredible barring injury. And I think that team, to me, is, like, definitely definitely going to be a team we're talking about in the next uh three to four years maybe even two mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree i think Doncic is special and i think i think they can get more out of porzingis than they're getting right now um so i certainly agree that the mavericks are there and a team that i 
think is a little slept on is Toronto. I think that Siakam is a great player, and I really think that Fred Van Vliet gets a little, over, a little overlooked. You know, he's stepped up to the plate when they need him. He can hit big-time shots, and they're, what, the two-seed right now? Yeah. They sneak into the playoffs. I think they can certainly make some noise and be with those teams. Yeah, and they've performed uh, very well without Kawhi, which I was a little surprised about. Way better than I thought they yeah, would. Definitely. Uh, my team is the uh, is definitely, without question, the, 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 the Heat, Miami Heat. And the reason for that is, I don't think they really are missing uh, anything, actually. They have their alpha dog in uh, Jimmy Butler. They have an up-and-coming all-star big man in uh, Bam Adebayo. And they, they have shooters everywhere. Look, uh, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson, Myers Leonard. And, you know, all these guys play very, very good defense. You know, Kendrick Nunes is a really good defender. Bam, Jimmy Butler, obviously. So I think this team with a little more uh, cooking, if you want to say, cooking, like like all these players have, have more time to develop, could be uh, – could win a championship. I really believe so. I think Jimmy Butler has that alpha dog uh, mentality. He has that, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. Obviously, I'll miss him. That Kobe mentality. Kind of, I'm not saying him and Kobe are comparable. They're obviously not, but in terms of you know holding everybody to the highest, uh, uh, the highest standard. I don't know. I just I I think Miami has a ton of potential, and you know a Tyler Hero could be an All Star guard three point contest. So I don't know. While I do like Luca and Porzingis, I think they're uh, more than one piece away from being a serious contender, especially in the West. I think they need two two more pieces. I think. And I think that, you know, I'm not saying this because he left the Knicks, but Porzingis is a little overhyped. I think the um, idea of him is better than what the reality is. That's true. So, um, I would say Miami. But, yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. So one thing about Miami is I truly think for them to become to that level, and I think this is certainly possible, is I think Tyler Hero could become their alpha guy because I, I like his mentality. I think he plays hard. I think he plays very confident. And I just never have really bought into Jimmy Butler as a superstar. I think he's a great player, but I think he plays like he's a little better than he is. And he's caused some locker room problems before he's been good in Miami. But yeah, I don't know. I think that that's a little bit of a power struggle coming up between Hero and him. I think that Hero's going to become a star and might surpass Butler on that team. And if that happens peacefully, then I agree. I think that. They could become a contending team. Yeah, and um, shout out to just real quick, shout out to their scouting department. I mean, they got Kendrick yeah. Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, all outside the top ten. I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, I just had to say that. Go ahead, Jack. No, yeah, no, it's totally a valid point. I think for them, um, I think definitely they're an up and coming team. I think they're they're probably like one piece away from like really becoming a championship contending team. I think if they can end up like pulling off the Bradley Beal trade, who I'm sure we moved uh, very soon. I think that team is definitely a championship contending team. And then just to like very like um, overall like like general point, I think the East as well. I think the East is really up and coming. I think the East is going to be very strong in the next couple of years. Yeah. With a lot of those teams coming up. I think the Nets are going to be even better. Um, or by Nets going to be better. And then obviously you have the Heat, Celtics, um, the Sixers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you wish. Um, Sixers, Raptors, and then I think even the Hawks too could potentially with the, their young players could grow into that. I think I don't know. I'm I'm feeling good about the East. I think they might be very strong. 
I agree. No, yeah. Yeah, I think the East, uh, you know, if you look at who has won championships in terms of each decade, the East could win this decade versus, you know, the West. So you're right about that. And um, I'm just, I I don't know, more than anything, you know, last thing I'll say, because unfortunately we are, I'm kind of approaching time here, but uh, I'm just really um, excited to see. I I never remember a time in my life where the NBA had more, like, um, exciting young players because I always feel like in the early 2010s and um, before, it was kind of a run by like older guys who we've seen over and over again. And now, yeah, Kobe, LeBron, uh, Tim Duncan. So, I mean, while those guys are fun to watch, I mean, we like, everybody already knows like what that's going to look like, but now it's like, you got guys like Zion Williamson, John Morant, Trey Young, John Collins, uh, Bam Adebayo. So it's like, now the attraction of the NBA is the young guys. And I think that'll be great for viewership and great for the fans. And I think that young guys, I don't know. I just think having a ton of young guys that are the main attraction of the league now, um, you know, and most of this can be kind of put to uh, uh, aging of LeBron because he was the league's brightest star for the past 15 plus years. And as he's starting to, I don't want to say slow down, he hasn't yet at all. But as he, as uh, you know, especially when he retires, I mean, that's then it's the, the only focus is going to be on the younger guys. But I'm just, you know, what I'm really trying to say is I'm just excited about all the young right. talent. So. That's yeah, going to be great. Yeah. And I think, too, like, you know, maybe one last point. I Go think on. it's such a shame that the season got canceled this year because I think this was, like, the one year I felt where, like, it wasn't going to be Warriors or someone else. Like, this year I felt like there was such, like, a good debate you could have with, like, any of probably the top, like, three or four teams in this yeah. conference of them being in the championship. The Clippers, Lakers, maybe even the Dark Horse and the Rockets. I think, like, any of those teams could have been, like, potential playoff teams. Yeah. And then obviously with the Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, the Celtics, I think like such a shame the season got canceled. But I think like yeah, like you to your point, I think like the league's in good hands and going forward, hopefully, um, most of the teams like the overall like um, talent of the league stays like very like um, spread and hopefully like the you know the championship race every year is between like a bunch of other teams instead of just like two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so unfortunately, guys, I do have to wrap it up here. We are approaching uh, the time limit on the show. But before you go, I just wanted to say uh, I really appreciate your guys' time coming on tonight. You know, um, it means a lot, and uh, I had a great conversation with you guys. Um, so, and, you know, please let me know if you ever want to be on again. I'd love to have you both, both you guys, and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, having this on. yeah, of course. So, um, you can catch share the rock, uh, every Thursday at noon, Apple podcasts and Spotify and, uh, stay safe. Thank you very much. Thank you.